Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liba, and producer Elvin Freites bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. This episode of the EdUp Experience is sponsored by MDT Marketing. MDT Marketing is a digital marketing agency with a vision of creating education, marketing, and technology programs that improve people's lives. Specializing in student nurturing programs, digital advertising, marketing technology, and digital printing, MDT Marketing's seasoned team is entrusted by higher education institutional leaders to develop personalized communication strategies that are compliant and highlight what differentiates their institutions. Learn more about MDT Marketing at mdtmarketing.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. My name is Dr. Joe Salustio. Always with me, the incomparable Elizabeth Liba. Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for asking. How are you? Good. I'm good. good. I'm and and uh, well, you heard his voice, and I was just about to introduce him, so I'm going to do oh. that now because we want to bring him in this conversation as fast as That's possible. Fine. We have on the line Dr. Brad Sims, the president of Capital Technology University. Brad, how are you doing today? Good. I'm doing well. Well, good. We're we're so happy and honored and excited to have you here. You have such a unique university that you oversee, so there's so much for us to get into. But before we do, you. Um, like the rest of us, are dealing with uh, COVID-19, you have family, you have friends. How's your health, how's your inner circle and, and your family doing at this time? Well, we did well through the whole uh, event here in Maryland. Um, I think the state handled it pretty well. My family made it through without any issues. Uh, uh, obviously, having uh, two children at home going through K through 12 and still at home doing K through 12 is a little challenging for everybody, but, you know, altering your uh, kind of the way that you thought things normally were to adapt into something new is always exciting. And so even here at the university, we uh, had major planning sessions on how we could include the undergraduate students in a safe format back on campus this fall. And we've achieved that. And so um, whether you're an undergraduate visiting us uh, uh, physically and staying in our residence hall or doing it virtually online or our master's and doctoral students, of course, completely online, everybody is safe. And uh, we have not had a student, single student uh, with a virus problem currently. Well, tell us a little bit about um, uh, Capital Technology University. For those that don't know uh, and have never heard of, of your university, where are you? What do you do? And um, uh, talk a little bit about what your impact is. Sure. So we are a uh, small private nonprofit university located in Laurel, Maryland, which is about exactly 15 miles north of Washington, D.C., right off the Baltimore-Washington Parkway. And actually it started in 1927, downtown Washington, D.C., uh, Navy veteran retired and started teaching other folks how to build radios. 
And so it's been always technology focused since 1927. It moved to one other location in Virginia for a short period of time, and then it came here to Laurel, Maryland in approximately uh, the early 1980s. And then the campus uh, is, includes facilities, academic facilities, uh, brand new apartment residence halls, and, uh, and administrative facilities. We're on 52 acres right off the parkway, very open spaces. We're in the middle of a kind of a suburb area. So it's very safe. We don't have any problems with, with crime or anything. And so it's, it's really kind of uh, an unknown gym for many people who come to campus. But the great thing about it, of course, is that over the years, we've expanded only in STEM-related programs. So all of our programming from the undergraduate to the master's to the doctoral programs are based around some STEM area or management of STEM. And that's been, uh, of course, a great focus for our graduates because we are here, really our focus here at Capital Tech is to provide a great career. We want, whether you're 18-year-old going into your, your, out of high school to your first career or your military transitioning out or you're currently working at one of the many government agencies or subcontractors in the region, we want to help you have a great career that pays well and you can use it for advancement and that's been successful and at our undergraduate population where year to year it's 80 percent placement for all undergraduates which is what we consider you know pretty high placement within six months and we even offer a guarantee to, uh, we call it a commitment really to our undergraduates that if you do everything we ask you to do during your four years at the, as an undergraduate and if you walk out the door and you still don't have a career in your field that's well-paying within six months, we'll let you come back for a free certificate program in another area. And in the last 10 years, maybe we've had less than a dozen people even need to use that. And now it includes great training along the way. We, we teach our undergraduates how to build their resumes, how to fill out clearance forms because many of our contractors here in the area need security clearances. We talk about what you need to do to find a career and what's expe expected. So all of our undergraduate courses, besides their focus in their technical area, are integrated with this real-world experience. And that's what really gives us a great, great impact so that our students can go out and walk out the door with a career. And of course, our advanced students in the master's and doctoral programs, we're filling the needs of professionals in the marketplace. They're completely online. Those students are really part-time students. They're taking one of our technical areas. And uh, they, they, the word of mouth spreads, and we see lots and lots of referrals for the master's and doctoral students coming to campus. And, and you know, of course, as I said, virtually. And the doctoral programs are even um, starting to grow internationally. And uh, we, can, we, can, we have graduation here once a year. And so we hope that if you took your classes online that you do show up for graduation. And many of them, that may be the first time they show up on campus. And it's great for us. We love to see our students face-to-face -face walking across the stage. That's, that's the greatest time of the year when you see somebody smiling and happy and we're handing them a degree and we're hooding them and all that stuff is, is fun time here on campus. And as I mentioned, our campus is, is it's pretty wide open. So whether you're an undergraduate on campus, we have Frisbee golf course. And this year we're, we're going to probably add our first sport or uh, really a sports team and we're, it's going to be an esports team and mm -hmm. we even created a new uh capital charger logo 
to go along with it. So our, our historical capital charger was some type of horse, but this year we defined it. It looks, it's a horse that's, that also has the charger impact to it because we're technical and we were based around technology and electronics, electronics engineering. So it's a pretty cool addition. The students really love to see that mascot as we released it this year. So it's a, it's really a, a great career type of focus here if you come to Capital Tech. And one of the, the best um, uh, things that I've, I've read, I think it was last year it came out, uh, there was a Georgetown University report, and it was called the Expanded College Scorecard, which gave an ROI, return on investment, for 4,500 universities in the United States. And they ranked it based, uh, if you're out working for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, or your, your life, your career. And so Capital Tech graduates ranked 120 out of 4,500 as a return on their investment after their lifetime career. So we're very proud of our focus of, of helping our students have great careers. A lot of them own their own businesses. Um, over the years, we moved away a little bit from the radio, but we kept the electronics and the electrical engineering components. But we've added many other specialty fields. Uh, our newest are counterterrorism and critical infrastructure, and um, and our cybersecurity is just going through the the roof with all of our different degree programs and that. So. We're very proud of what we do here in the, the STEM area. The, the growth of STEM, STEM's important. Student services are important. And, and you know, this is an area where Liz is, I would like to say Liz is an expert uh, as a faculty member and, and, and student service um, warrior that she is. And so Liz, I'm going to pass the, pass the mic, as they say. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot to unpack, and I, and I love this conversation because we haven't, I think, really dived into this whole idea of STEM as just a total focus for a college or university and what a benefit that is and, and how that can impact not only the students, the local economy, the, the national economy, as we turn to looking at how, as a country, we're going to go forward, the upskilling, the reskilling, what we need to do to prepare our students that are entering into this more technical and um, more computer-oriented work environment. So I love this idea of um, how your college is serving this, this field. What can we do as a country to move toward increased diversity in your area of specialization as, as far as the STEM field? Yeah, I mean, you're you're right in the fact that uh, we are in a good place as our, our undergraduate student. We're over 50% minority when you add everybody together, and a large uh, number of those are African-American students. The the area that I would like to increase is really the female. We're about 24% female, and so if we could match that as well, you know, with the STEM fields, uh, I think... Uh, to help with students, especially younger students that are, are going into the STEM area, you know, it, it's really about image. I mean, the um, the industries themselves, my experience has been, is that if you have uh, a, a minority student or a female student in the STEM area, they get more job offers. They sometimes get even higher starting salaries because the market is there just waiting for them to complete 
that degree program. And, and here, of course, we push internships all during your time. So many of our students, almost all of them are going to have work experience with one of the companies before they walk out the door. And so mm-hmm. it's about how do you build an image, I think, in the STEM areas and the, and the need to expand for everybody, and especially the minorities and females, to get into it. And it's a challenge to uh, do an image uh, sell to people who don't have experience with it. So my, and this is, I've worked at several universities, and of course I came through a STEM program in construction management, and, and I worked across the country building industrial facilities before I ended up in higher education. So I, I love the STEM fields. I mean, I thought that was a great career, and I want to provide that back. And what I've noticed at other universities, because I've always been involved with STEM degree programs, is that many times uh, when you see a student and their parents come to look at your programs and try to experience it and see how their students fit into it, if the parents or the, or, or the student doesn't have parents or their, maybe their relation, like an aunt and uncle that are involved in the STEM area or associated with it, sometimes it's a harder, um, harder thing for them to imagine themselves in. And therefore, you know, you kind of default back to what you feel comfortable with. And, and so part of it is how do you, how do you come across to the, because a lot of times parents are involved with the decision-making of their, of their 18 year olds. How do you help everybody get a feeling of if, if I'm, if I have a job in manufacturing with a four-year degree, what do I do? Well, really, manufacturing now is all computerized equipment, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a computer field. And so you have to explain and try to be a little bit more involved in, in getting a student their parents more comfortable with. It's not going on the floor of manufacturing and putting something in the box. You're managing people or you're managing the computers that run the equipment. And so how do you help students along the way uh, imagine themselves to see that this is a this is a career that they really can be a success at and it's a great career. And that I think is the hardest thing to try to get across to parents or students who don't have any experience with, with a related STEM field of, of what a career it can be because the jobs are there. They're just waiting for them. And, and to give you an example of the needs. So even in the last recession in 2008, whenever we really felt the pinch, um, Degrees like uh, automation control engineering technology, which is computer controls and manufacturing, or the manufacturing degrees themselves, they still had 100% placement for undergraduates walking out the door. There was never not a job available for them, but those are some of the harder degree areas to explain to a student and parents, this is what you're going to do in it. So, so it's, they're, they're careers that are, that are you're going to walk out the door with your technical degree that you're going to be involved in it. You're going to be doing that and, and managing people in that field if you choose to do so the rest of your life. So the, so the STEM degrees are not so much that you're going to just get a STEM degree and then move to another field, and you may choose to do that. So, so I think that's the challenge. And, and how do you, you know, we, of course, we're located in a, in a great location bet- right between Baltimore and D.C., so we have a huge variety of, of students that we can engage with in this region and a huge volume of companies that makes it easier to have internships available for them and to bring those industry people 
in the, on the campus to talk with the students and and now as we have transitioned to virtual figuring out ways to connect them to that so so it, it's really less let's show the students what these careers are like and let's get you connected to industry people who are living it every day because they sure love to talk about their careers and what they're doing and i think that's that's the whole thing to me it's about image how do we help students understand these are great great jobs careers to have that are well paying and and how do you bridge that gap Brad, is that why, let, let me just jump in, Liz, is that, you know, I saw I was uh, just going through your website and you, you've got a bit on there about every job is a technology job. Is that a way mm -hmm. of you communicating that bridge to make people see that, yeah, even if you want to do something, there's some kind of technology behind it and somebody's running that technology somewhere. Right, right. It's, it, I mean, I, I, I believe, I'll tell you how much I think about technology. I think in the near future, every high school student will eventually have to come out and under, already know how to code. I just think that's going to be part of K through 12. We're that's not great. there yet, but I think it's coming. And that just shows you where our society is going with the technology advances as you know, we, I mean, I, I think in the, you know, between 1900 and 2000, the, the amount of technology advancement was tremendous, but can you imagine by 2100 what it's going to be like? I mean, it just, you know, it just compiles every day. It's faster and faster. And so you, you have to know it. There's, there's no way you're going to be able to live throughout your, your full life without being involved somehow in technology. And, and we, we here at school, you know, we have, uh, we have the degree. You can be a management in, of cyber. You can be the cyber person actually in the, in the, in the, in the computer room, you know, doing whatever specific elements of cyber protection that you want it to be. That's why we added critical infrastructure degree areas because we work with the Department of Homeland Security and they have the critical infrastructure sectors and they're all facilities, whether it's a refinery or power plant or wastewater treatment facility, all those are driven by technology and and all the equipment in those facilities is operated by operational technology, which is connected through the Internet of Things, through a computer control room, which can be cyber attacked, which requires information technology. And so you need to know all these aspects of how these facilities operate, how they function, how they work, uh, because I think, you know, in, in today's society, the cheapest way for a foreign entity to attack this is through cyber. And... I don't know about you guys, but at home with, with my two girls that are in K through 12, if we could lose manufacturing and no food, we could lose uh, gas and no refineries, but if my internet went down at home, that it would be a scary thing to them. So we have to protect that, right? That's to keep, true. Yeah. Keep it available to, to everybody. And so that's where we're about is where, it's, where are we moving forward in the future as far as our degree programs, because we want to stay up to date with what's needed, but everything's based around those technology factors, and you need to know a little bit about something, and then you can choose when you graduate, of course, where you want to specialize, but we're here to help you along the way and figure that out. There's a big question, particularly for you running a STEM university with advanced degrees, and you've seen recently Google, Google come out with non-credit technology certif certificates that uh, are short, short certificates. They're going to give them a skill and, you know, they're, you see big technology companies uh, let on that a college degree isn't as important or doesn't have as much value as, as you know, the rest of society thinks 
or puts on it. You know, you're kind of in a unique situation, Brad, because you are seeing the technology on the on the front end and the back end. You're you're over a university that's offering technology. And then there's technology companies that are saying, well, we'll, we'll just offer this non-credit certificate. And what, what do you think about that? Um, and, you know, that's not a trick question. And, you know, I'm not looking for you to get in great depth, but is that enhance your, does something like that enhance your ability to, to move students to, to advanced degrees? Do you feel like that it's devaluing the degree? Give me your overview on what that means to the industry and tech industry. Interested in some fresh marketing ideas that have been real-world tested by colleges and universities and actually work? We'd love to share. Come download MDT Marketing's free 2020 Marketing Strategies Guide, filled with stats and highlights on digital marketing initiatives exclusively for colleges and universities. Download the Strategies Guide for free at learn.mdtmarketing.com. MDT Marketing has been a leader in delivering marketing solutions for institutes of higher education since 1995. Come leverage our knowledge and download our strategies guide at learn.mdtmarketing.com. A lot of, you know, your university work or being at a university or versus, you know, going straight to work for a company and doing certificates, it's kind of a person and what development they need as that person develops. And so um, for some, I think students, they, 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 they need to live away from home and expand their social skills while they are also uh, getting the credentials that they need. And, and so there's value for that. We, there's value in my, my, in my mind to if you are excellent and, and you graduate from high school and you can get a job right away in the technical field, why not? I mean, that's, you gain that experience right away and then you can afford to look around and say, maybe I need a degree in this area because I just don't know it that well, or maybe um, this isn't the field for me. And so we kind of do that with students who are traditional age via the internship program where we want them to do at least one internship, maybe multiple ones would be great. So that when you finally get to your mid twenties, hopefully you've identified more specifically what you really want to do because many people who are young not necessarily are they for sure what they want to do and so we're i I think both ways are a great opportunity to to kind of feel it out and see what's what's really my path in, in industry that i need to do and you know for an undergraduate student and i've had this happen several times come and ask me you know can should i stay and just go straight to my master's and my answer would be no you really need to go work and then find out if this is for you because your master's degree can be used to either enhance your career or change it. So find out what you like to do. I think the certifications, we include those in some of the classes, you know, especially in the IT areas. Uh, and then across different areas, we also accept some certificates for uh, elective credit that, that can go towards the degree. So. Uh, give you an example. This is in, in, in not the IT area, but in in the um, the construction industry, uh, the trades folks can go through. There's a big uh, group called National Construction Education Research, and they have training programs for multiple areas of the construction trades, which are great because you, as an individual, 
could get out of high school and, and, and start working on your apprenticeship program right away in the trades area and make more money than, than many students are going through college. And that's another area to do it. So now we accept those levels of apprenticeship credit towards a degree if you want, because uh, what we find is like in, 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 let's give you an example of uh, home building. Home building, you, you could work in high school and be a great home builder and start your own company maybe because that's what you want to do. But what we find out is that people don't have the finance and business skills so they can do the job and the, the actual technical area very well, but they don't have the business sense and they don't understand cash flow to keep a business going. So, that, so then we developed a program around that so we can help those who are successful doing something in the trades but they want to start their own business, we'll help take those credits from apprenticeship and then we'll give them business skills so they can be successful in business. And I think that's the same thing if you're looking specifically at the IT areas where there's a lot of certification programs. If you choose to just go that route, maybe someday you want to start your own business. Well, we can help you get there faster by by figuring out a way to take certificate certification credit and applying it towards your your degree to be a good business person as well. So I, I see it as, right. as a, it, you know, it's just helping each side of it. And, and each person's individually different in where they need to be in that overall process of education. What about the employers? What do the employers say about degrees right now, particularly the STEM, I guess you would just say people who hire STEM students or employees that have a STEM background, technology companies, a government, you know, what's the government say about the value of a degree still? Are they, are they reducing the value? Do they still believe in the value of a degree? Is it necessary to move up through government, uh, uh, you know, to have advanced degrees, to, to move up to higher levels? And you talked about security clearance and all those things. Is education a component? Is it valued, not valued, somewhere in the middle? You know, tell us about the employer perspective from your point of view. Yeah, it's still highly valued. I mean, I mean, in the past, let's say in cybersecurity, is there's a huge shortage in cybersecurity. So, so companies now, maybe in that area or or government agencies, are more willing to hire you without a degree, because they just have that huge need. So, so then we adapted by allowing you you could do your last two years if you're doing your undergraduate all online, and so we we covered some of that. But the the employers still value the four year. Uh, degree, and they love internships on top of your resume as well. And part of that, I would say, from an employer's perspective, is that completing a let's say if you're doing the bachelor's traditional four-year degree, and you're you know you're you're coming in from 18. Part of that, what the employers are looking for, are the fact that you completed something. Right? There's motivation level behind that because employers want to hire self-motivated individuals, and so they say, you know, you employee have have shown that you can do you know your whole bachelor's degree and and hopefully even had an internship and that's good great motivation shows that you're going to work hard for us as well so we so they value that they also value from an employer's perspective the the oral and written communication so we include a lot of that as well because even though uh, in some cases, you may go into management quickly. You may not be in the technical area anymore. But all employers, they this I think is probably their top skill set above the technical aspects is they want students to come out of school understanding how to present 
at a presentation, how to write well, even your emails. There's a limit to how bad you can do an email. There's a certain element that you know you need to be professional in what you do in that type of writing as well. So oral and written communication and presentation skills, highly, highly important. And, and four-year degree programs usually include you know, different, different arrays depending on where you go to school, but that's a major component that we also uh, have our bachelor students do as well so that an employer knows somebody can stand up in front of a group, do a presentation, uh, you know, write a good uh, whatever report if that's what they're in. And so that completing your degree is a plus, especially in a technical area. So uh, some employers really want your bachelor's degree to provide you enough technical training that they don't have to do that. And they really like that if you have that in your degree area because they don't have to go, you know, it's kind of going back and sending you somewhere for the technical aspect. But, um, you know, market demand is another element that, that plays on top of it all. And that's where I think right now, um, you know, the virus has slowed us down. But before the virus, you mean, it, it, you know, there's just so many job openings out there for all the technical fields. It's unbelievable. And so, uh, and we're seeing that we're still seeing employment high, even though we have the virus right now in the technical areas. And so the industry is certainly prefers somebody who's went through a good technical bachelor's degree with oral and written communications, but with a huge demand, especially like in cybersecurity. That, I mean, I think they they have loosened up the rules enough that they, they'll take you without a degree and, and they would like to see you get all the multiple certifications you can in that area. And, uh, and, and so there's a, again, each company is a little different in that. Um, when you have employers that come repetitively year after year, cause they like the students they're getting and they, they, they want the same, you know, type of students who went through our program and our program you know, that we teach here, whether it's a bachelor's degree in computer science or, um, you know, a bachelor's degree in cybersecurity is a, is slightly unique to us versus another university. So sometimes employers like the little twist that each specific college or university puts on their program. And so they get familiar and comfortable with your student and they, they come in, they try to, of course, grab them as an intern and then offer them a job before they can you know, finish so that they know they're coming there. But I do see in, in those high demand fields where these certifications, uh, even in the government, cybersecurity especially, but in the government positions or the subcontractors, they'll hire you without a degree in one of those high demand areas, but they do value the bachelor's degree. And I think, um, you know, if if you go to work, if you don't have your degree and you go to work for a company, companies are very good about providing you funds to either continue your education or 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 to supplement it because they do value education at all these companies so so that would be something if I was graduating I would look into as well does my employer support my education and most of them do and they and they have some really good benefits as well and so I I think that uh, it's kind of a, a mix between who you see coming to hire and where the market demand is on a year-to-year -year basis of where that kind of falls between the cracks of hiring the bachelors or hiring before they get the bachelors. Uh, but we are also seeing an increased demand for our current uh, graduates and 
uh, uh, completing advanced degrees. Our, our doctoral programs as well are increasing, and those are full-time employees who, who see a doctorate degree in a technical area that has the potential to advance their career. And we work closely with them to do that. And we have very happy graduates at that level too. So, so industries valuing doctorates as well. And, and of course we just provide the professional doctorates because that's our focus. Um, the market is, is really happy with uh, those students at the doctoral level completing their technical degrees in those areas. And, and um, we, again, we, we've seen a, a increase in those areas for those students as well. This is so refreshing because I love that your immediate response when Joe asked you about the Google certificate was different from what I expected. I think sometimes in higher education, when we hear about certifications or we hear about these stackable credentials, we're kind of like, oh, no, 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 the bachelor's is the only way to go. But I love that you kind of embraced it like, hey, you know, that's just another alternative route. And, you know, that, that, that person still, that student still may need to go back later on to get a bachelor's degree. There's so many different routes and advising a student, not necessarily to go straight into a master's program, but maybe explore and see how they can enhance and maybe even go straight out of high school and get a little bit of work experience. And then later on, maybe an employer can pay or, or look at maybe how that internship or some of that work experience has enhanced their ability to make a decision as to where they go for their bachelor's degree. So I love that you said that because I, I really wish that higher education would be a little bit more inclusive when we talk about it on the podcast all the time about the idea that even Joe had said it uh, and we had another guest that came on and said, how is it that students are getting certificates or credentials within their own college and the college uh, that when they go into like the, the continuing education and then the college itself won't accept that toward the bachelor's degree. So the idea that your, your school is being so inclusive in, especially in technology, looking at, well, okay, this is, these are certifications that the person needs to be more hands-on and more effective and it only makes sense for them to use those and maybe apply those toward a bachelor's or determine how they want to change their career um, and maybe enhance it in other ways. So I just, I love this because this is just, I think, what higher education needs. And I, I think it's so salient to the whole idea of lifelong learning and how that journey just progresses. And, and a lot of times we don't know initially. And sometimes, especially I'm sure in the STEM field, and for me as an English composition instructor, I tell my students, it's literally, I just started a class this week and I told my students, like, listen, as a writer, as a, as a taking an English composition class, you're employer, you know, even if you're in criminal justice or IT or nursing, you're going to have to write. You're going to have to do proposals. You're going to have to do emails. So it's really not about writing an essay. It's about being functional, being a leader, and being able to communicate. So I'm so glad that you said that because that's really important. What do you attribute? You guys have, um, I'm, I'm so impressed with what you guys are doing there. You guys have really high retention rates, and your program would be, like you said, I'm an English person. So when I think about them, it just seems hard. <laughs> when mm -hmm. you look up to the campus, it's like, oh my God, that seems scary, right? So I think there is this intimidation factor when it comes to STEM. What are you guys doing in terms of nurturing the students? What do you uh, attribute that to in terms of your student? I'm always thinking about as a faculty member, the student success, the retention, um, especially in these COVID times, how students are being uh, nurtured to ensure that they are able to make it through these um, really challenging times. What are you guys doing 
um, what advice would you give for schools that are thinking about student success in, in ways that they can be more supportive or continue to be supportive of their students? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a challenge, um, you know, for each university and their, and their culture to figure out how they best can adapt. And one of our benefits is that we're, we're small and we're nonprofits and we can be flexible. And, and, you know, I, my goal is to, um, of course, keep our university up with what current market demands are. And we can do that because we're very entrepreneurial and we, we're thinking, you know, how to, how to make that happen. And we're customer service focused. So uh, we, we understand whether you're an undergraduate or master's or doctoral student, that you are our customer. And, and so what can we do to help support you? So many of our undergraduate students um, need some remedial math and, and that's just the reality. And, and so uh, some of our students that, that come out of the K through 12 system, uh, what I would say is it's not that they can't do the math, but for some reason they're mathophobic, right? They're afraid of it. And mm -hmm. so we have um, remedial kind of really close relation with your faculty here to work through some of that math. And, and so therefore, if maybe you didn't have, let's say what you traditionally need is a cal calculus one class in high school to come straight into, whether it's our electrical engineering or mechatronics engineering, you can still come here and get into it, but we're going to help you get the prereqs, you know, successfully done so you can take the Calc 1. And then then we're going to try to help you uh, move through the courses so you're not delaying your graduation excessively because you're behind. So it's a customer service type of focus for our students because we really we really try hard that if we accept you at any level, bachelor's, master's, doctorate, that we look at your profile that we think you can be successful if you come here. Otherwise, we will advise you on other options and say maybe you need to do this or this or this first because we don't want you to come here and, and fail. And even at our doctoral level, we have extremely high success rate through our doctoral programs, and that is a customer service focus where the dean of the doctoral programs is even talking to each student individually and and their chairs or their committees we have requirements of how much they have to work with them one-on-one -on -one. so so to me it's it's more about trying to provide that feeling of you know support that we want you to be successful and we're here to help you be successful now our students need to realize there's the ones that are going to make it they're the ones that had to be motivated and that's that's where upon entry we're at that point where we hope we've both made a right decision that we we think you can do it and you want to do it. But that's really where we're coming from as a traditional customer service focused industry point of view. I love that you said that. that well, that will be music to Joe's ears because we talk about this on the podcast all, all the time, the idea that as education, sometimes we don't think about it as a customer uh, service relationship with the student. But I also love that you talked about the idea that not every student has access to maybe a calc. I came from um, a school, a high school that was 90% black, and I think sometimes people have this misconception that every high school in America is the same. And I remember Calc not even being an option because they just didn't have, it just wasn't available, or maybe they didn't have the students, like you said, the math-phobic idea of maybe students weren't necessarily prepared to be able to take that Calc class. So the idea of accessibility comes to mind when you talk about 
sometimes thinking outside the box, so understanding that not every student profile is the same, not every student's preparation level is the same. So being able to be flexible and address that, I'm so glad you said that. And, and one thing I have to say as well is that you're a Gator alum like me, so mm -hmm. go Gators. Oh, God. Yeah, that's right. I go knew, Gators. You know what? I purposely <laughs> didn't throw that in. I was going to share that at the beginning of the episode, and I was, I was literally taking bets to see how long it would take Liz to go there. <laughs> chomp, chomp, chomp. I'm going to pass it back to you. Oh, good. Goodness. Uh, when be sensitive to your time, we're going to ask our final two questions. Number one, I'll give you the easier one first, and, uh, uh, and that's what do you think the future of higher education is going to look like? Right, really easy question. I'm sure you can tackle that, no problem. And then secondly, is there anything that we missed about uh, Capital Technology University that you'd like to talk about or say before uh, before we close the episode? Okay, well, let me think about that. Future of higher education. So, I mean, I I guess from my perspective, you know, I and I'm kind of unique maybe in in higher education. You know, I. I, when I graduated with my bachelor's degree in construction management, I worked around the U.S. and in, in uh, industrial construction, and and I I decided to go back to school to uh, University of Florida to get my master's degree to go back to industry, and uh, and while I was doing that, I had an offer to get my uh, doctorate as a as a graduate instructor, which meant that they paid me to get my doctorate and they paid me a salary, and uh, I I didn't hadn't I even thought about it, and so I took that opportunity, and that led me into higher education. And so, uh, from that perspective, you know, I've always looked at my path as I went to I went to my my uh, my my father worked at the steel mills, and he's like, well, you need to go to college. So I was a first generation student in my family, and uh, and with that experience, I went to went to college to obtain a good career, and it was great. And so with that philosophy and the universities I've worked at and created programs that are all technical related, I see that to me as, as an element of what higher education is moving into. And so being flexible and, and being entrepreneurial and, and how, do, how does higher education more closely connect to the industry of the United States to help its students. I mean, a great example that I can think of is is, is blending degree programs. When, whenever I was at another school, uh, I had a manufacturing engineering technology program, and I was trying to work with the English majors in another college because what I was thinking was if they if the English majors completed a minor in manufacturing engineering technology, they could go directly work for one of the manufacturing corporations and they could end up in their communications department. They'd already know about the industry. So, so the blending of the technical with the traditional degrees and connecting the industry uh, is to where I personally think higher education is going to be success uh, because, as we all know, the expense of going to a university uh, continues to increase, and uh, you know that you you as an individual need a return on investment when you when you're spending that money to understand why you're going to a university, and and so how do you make that connection? Well, to me, you connect better up to to the industry segments, and 
that's important as well because the United States has to have a positive economy to keep things rolling, right? So you're really part of the United States economy by connecting to the industry that drives the future of the United States and, and everything we're doing here in this country. And so, so how do you how do you evolve to be connected to that? And now there's always going to be the need for the big research universities because, you know, there is need for that. But for universities like mine that are, are private nonprofit, um, I want to, I, I think the future of those are about how do we help, you know, a symbiotic relationship with our industry and our government contractors here where I am to, to drive the economy forward and capital, you know, capital tech, which we've talked, a lot about it. I, I mean, I just think it's a unique uh, um, kind of, we're kind of an unknown known. So if you're in the industry around the DC, Baltimore area, you, you probably know about us. But if you're not, then we're kind of an unknown gym that people stumble upon. And so, um, of course, we'd like to have more people stumble upon us because we, we enjoy doing what we do here at Capital Tech. And we use a large uh, additional group of working industry professionals as our adjuncts. So we have many professors who are actually working in the segments that they're also teaching for our students, whether you're an undergrad, a master's, or a doctoral student. And that's really where I think uh, our connection back to the industry is even great for the students because they're they're listening to live people working in industry while they're teaching their classes, and it's it's just that um, kind of connection to the industry here at Capital Tech that I don't I don't even know that that everybody understands. We're we're located literally between NSA headquarters and and NASA, and probably we have the biggest chunk of our graduates working at NSA or NASA, and it's That's right cool. here. Yeah, and so. Um, it, we and we work with those groups as well, and their subcontractors. And it's it, you know, if you are if you're looking for a career, I guess that's probably the best thing I can say about Capital Tech. We are here to help you get a good, well-paying career to take care of yourself and your family for the rest of your life. And that's hey guys, this is Joe. You heard from MDT Marketing at the beginning of the episode please take the time to go to learn.mdtmarketing.com to download their 2020 Marketing Strategies Guide for free. Yes, I just said for free. I've known the team at MDT Marketing probably going on 15 years. Their uh, president, Mitch Talenfeld, and I talk all the time. You know, these guys are super knowledgeable. They want to help higher education institutions succeed. No strings. Go download the guide, learn.mdtmarketing.com. We all need tips. Now that schools are operating online, this guide will give you those digital tips. Go download it. Hope you enjoyed that episode. To learn more about the EdUp Experience, please visit edupexperience.com. And if you want to be in on the live recordings, please sign up for our email list. Go to edupexperience.com and sign up to be a subscriber. We'll let you know how you can listen in live and get the scoop before anyone else does. So please, as always, feel free to share this podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe. We would really, really appreciate that. 
You've been listening to The Ed Up Experience, where we make education your business with your hosts, Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liva, and Elvin Freitas.